Tommy Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, Cuttons. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your T-Lo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your T-Lo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. And I tried to do a clever New Year's version of that I greeting, know. and I completely screwed it up because it's just, it's not written down anywhere, but I have to... This is live. <laughs> I have to just, it comes out of my mouth without me even thinking about it. And the one time we did a live podcast during our book tour um, almost two years ago... <laughs> I can't believe that was tears ago. <laughs> uh, we did a live one in New York, yeah. and in order to do the intro and the outro, where I say goodbye, love you, mean it, bye bye, I had to close my eyes because I couldn't do it oh in front God, of people. It's crazy. like no, I need no distractions in order to get this out of my mouth because I'm not reading it off of anything. It's anyway, kind of like, hello, kitten. Kind of like typing, you know. You don't. It even, is. Yeah. If, if you wind up looking down at your fingers, or I, if I wind up looking down at my fingers, I screw up. Right. So, um, hello, kittens. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. I know uh, this week has not been an auspicious kickoff to the year, and for a lot of people, it's a very tense and scary time in this country. Once again, (laughs) we're in the throes of Omicron. I actually, last night in prep for this, this might sound weird, but in preparation for this podcast, I listened to the last one because it's been three whole weeks since you've listened to our cartoon voices. We took a three-week vacation, and I was like, what was the last thing we talked about? And I knew... We talked about Yellow Jackets briefly, and I wanted mm-hmm. to hear what we said, because right. we're going to talk about it much more later in the podcast today. But um, I had some... Oh, yes. Uh, three weeks... I was listening to it last night, and I was like, my God, what a difference three weeks makes. We were like, yeah, Omicron might actually have a... You know, we were just... Right, very, right, we right. weren't playing it down, but we didn't realize how... No one realized how quickly right. and how bad things were going to get. We've also been watching a lot of movies, because I don't know what happened, but this year... 2020, we had so many movies to watch for some bizarre reason. Right. Anyway, so we're busy watching movies and doing right. stuff. And, uh, yeah. my, I, but what I'm saying is like um, so much has changed in the three weeks since since right. we did our podcast. Uh, Omicron turned into a much bigger deal and it affected a lot more people. Um, it, it affected a lot more holidays and now it's affecting a lot of parents and it's just very crazy intense and it's a weird time. Once again... Um, and I didn't think we were going to face this in the new year, but as as um, as bloggers, we are looking at a uh, shutdown of red carpets once again. Um, the right. Grammys have been postponed. I know, and uh, it just we'll we'll see. I, I mean, I I don't think you should be listening to me for Omicron news at all. But I don't think we're looking at a twenty twenty style shutdown because. Uh, the death rate isn't warranting it. And even though the healthcare um, system is taxed to the point of, to its breaking point, uh, and that is a serious issue, um, I, I don't think we're looking at the same sort of shutdown. However, you and I, we had to have a talk uh, over the holiday as we were heading into the new year where we were like, okay, well, looks like we're back to trying to figure out how to I do know. content. Going, going back to Instagram. Well, that's that's why I mentioned the movies. The reason why we're watching more movies is because we're probably going to have to be covering more movies. Uh, we also want to do more custom stuff. So all that, I mean, there a lot of planning, a lot of stuff that we have to go through to decide what's going to be on the but site. We're once again, scrambling. And we're fine. I mean, we if we can handle 2020, we can handle this. Um, but I was like so many of you, we're like, oh, God, we're here again. I can't believe it. So hold on. It sucks that we're at this point again, um, but I do not believe we will be locked down for the next year or anything even like that. I don't think that's what we're looking at. But we are looking at a momentary bump in terms of things like pop culture and red carpets and stuff like that. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say it is 
it's not we're not in the same place obviously no if you're vaccinated that, that is that's exactly it <laughs> if you're if you're I vaccinated mean, we're vaccinated and boosted and and um you know we'll so, abide by whatever you know we're we never stopped abiding by masking and all that no so. no in fact we we used we used to wear two masks from like almost from the beginning right uh because we would just want to be you know super protected but, but uh, anyway like for instance and and maybe your holiday wasn't affected at all and that's great but um five members of our family tested positive on christmas eve and that we had a scramble to right they fi- couldn't figure come. yeah they couldn't come to the family thing and then we had a friend who was stays with us every year and he was supposed to stay with us this year but he takes amtrak down from new england and then he would be sleeping on her. And we the whole thing, we were like, well, you're going to expose yourself to like 300 people before you come to us. And then if you actually get sick while you're on our couch, we have no way of sending you home because we can't put you back on transportation. So no, please don't come. And that was sad because we were looking forward to seeing him and it is something of a yearly tradition. So, and when those two th- things happened, we opted not to do our New Year's Eve plans either. We had plans for a very nice restaurant and um we looked at each other and said what why i don't want to spend three hundred dollars on a meal that where i'm going to be really tense the whole time um so let's just forget it and we'll treat ourselves to valentine's day or something whatever it's just yeah a lot to learn and to experience i I think we're good at rolling with these punches (laughs) and i think more of us out there are good at it than we're willing i mean the rhetoric right now is so doom and gloom and i get it i'm not criticizing anyone for being that way but i've said this before one of the downsides of one of the many 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 downsides of covid is that um it's hitting our cultural centers harder than any other place so our culture writers our journalists our media people are all in the hardest hit places in the country like new york city and los angeles so the rhetoric tends to get very Hated, and I mean it's a pandemic. I get it. I'm not, but sometimes you really need to pull back from. And if it's, especially if it's someone who is not, if you're not some sort of, you know, epidemiologist or public health expert, please just take your hysteria and keep it to yourself a little bit because I don't think you're serving the public good. This is a huge reason why we don't tweet about COVID all that much or about our feelings about COVID. We we don't we acknowledge it, but. Right, um, right, right. Uh, we don't get into it too much because um, you shouldn't be getting that stuff from us. You shouldn't even be getting your feelings about COVID from us. Like, that's how I feel lately, even though we're sitting here talking about it right now. But I feel like a, a podcast is allowing us to be a little more nuanced about our response right. there's to a lot it. of uh, adjustments and, and, yeah. and, and things you need to do and stop doing because of what, what we've been going through. And, you know, dealing with family and friends. We had uh, my be- one of my best friends came over for dinner and it's kind of like, you know, it was just a couple with us and right. they, they didn't bring the kids because they felt it would be safer, just the two of them. That kind of, you know, adjustment and right. negotiation, you know, that you, you, that, that, that you have to go through now and, and you just go with it. Yeah. I mean, anyway, I didn't want to turn this into right, the COVID right. hour. I just, I really don't, as I said, you should be getting your news and your thoughts from uh, about this from, you know, experts, not from uh, pop culture podcasters like us. But we're just telling you about where we sit in right. this world alongside all of you. And we're saying don't panic. Anyway, um, so we're going to talk about a couple of things this week. We're going to um, get back into, dive back into, and just like that, which took a drastic turn for the worse since the last time we <laughs> spoke to you all we about the show. Yes. 
Uh, and then we're going to dive deep on the show you should be watching, which is Showtime's Yellow Jackets, uh, which we briefly mentioned um, at the end of the last podcast because I had seen the first two episodes. But in the time since, uh, the show has kind of exploded in popularity. It's become a, an obsession. And um, if you're not watching it, you should. We're going to talk about why you should watch it, mention some of the performances and stuff like that. It'll be non-spoiler, but towards the end of that conversation, we're going to get into some heavy spoilers. And if you haven't seen the show and want to, we would tell you to tap out at that point. Um, And we'll warn you about that. But before we get to any of that, I thought just briefly we would touch on yesterday was January 6th, um, the anniversary of the insurrection. And I don't want to get into politics. I had no, I had no desire to speak about this at all. But right. um, uh, Nancy Pelosi introduced Lin Manuel Miranda, who then introduced the Broadway cast of Hamilton, who then sang "Dear Theodosia," and I wanted a hole to open up in the floor and swallow me up when I saw that. <laughs> um, and I get it if you love the if if you love him, if you love the show and everything, it's you're probably going to defend that. it. But it's just not about that. It, it's just the wrong place and the wrong time to do it. I just don't understand how I, they thought it was a good idea. The thing is, uh, it's already turned into an argument and there are t- people both sides in this. So you know what? I'll tell you right now, if you got something out of that, fine not here to criticize you for that. Uh, And I did read uh, one writer this morning who said, a black woman who said, uh, April Rain actually on Twitter said um, that she found it meaningful on that day to see a bunch of black men in chorus singing. There you go. You know, harmonizing. Uh, I thought the song choice was weird. It was Dear Theodosia. There's so I mean, if you're going to do a Hamilton song, why wouldn't you do like History Has Its Eyes on You or something like that? I don't know why you would do that song. Um, I just, oh my God, it remember when they, Nancy and all of them knelt with the kente cloths after, I mean, it's so performative and it, it, it actually made me feel worse. I'm, like I said, if you feel better from it, fine, whatever. I'm not here to criticize you, but it actually made me feel worse because it made me feel like the people who are supposed to be doing something about this have no plan or response to it. Here's Lin-Manuel Miranda. Are you effing kidding me, Nancy? Is this, I mean, I again, this is not a political podcast, and the only reason we're talking about this is because of the cultural aspect of it and the fact that Hamilton, it feels, the thing about Hamilton is it's starting to become a lightning rod of controversy. It's, it's there's a, there's a public sentiment has turned against both Miranda, Lin-Manuel Miranda and um Hamilton in the post-Trump era, it has been classified as as an Obama-era artifact, which is not really true. It actually really exploded around the time Trump got elected. Um, it's actually much more of a Trump-era artifact, but the, we are in an ostensibly, possibly temporarily, post-Trump era, so people are sort of attacking it for its earnestness, its sincerity, its questionable racial politics, and all of these things are worthy of coming in for discussion, and we've actually talked about them a little bit on right. this podcast. Um, but there is a bit of an overreaction sometimes to these things, and um, uh, there was just an article in Vox, uh, I think it was last week, uh, talking about um, Obama-era cringe and naming... Um, Hamilton as the number one reason for that. And I don't want to really get into whether Hamilton's cool enough. That's not my point. 
My point is, it's not an appropriate response. I don't care how cool the song is. I don't, right. Yeah, it's how much just you not, love the show. And yeah. I'm sorry. This is the U.S. Capitol. Literal blood was shed here a year ago. This is, and we're not talking 9 11. You know what I mean? Where we all need to come together as a community against a common threat. The common threat is the community. So having people sing is not going to help. Right. We have to live in this community where, you know, roughly a third of it supported what happened that day. It, yeah. This it, is not a solution. This is not a response. Go ahead. It feels very tone deaf uh, uh, exactly. know, to me. Uh, it's, it's like the Imagine thing with Gal Gadot and, exactly. and her friends. You have these idea ideas, but you don't really think things through. You, right. don't, you don't really. It makes no sense. It you know you're emotional and then you think this is a good idea, but it's just it's not good. And I I really don't think, especially because it was a Zoom thing. They were they weren't, they weren't even, even there. They weren't like, even there. So it yeah. was even more grim in a tone. Right, right. Which again. The fact that it was grim doesn't bother me. Uh, that's the other thing. A lot of people who were saying, well, it was soothing. And I was like, well, How? I don't want to be soothed about this. Right. It happened. And it hasn't been fixed. And it's likely going to happen again. So soothing is not what I want from anybody in charge. I don't want to be soothed about this. I just think that it, it's, it, it was such a serious and important moment. I mean, there was no Republican there representing except for right. Dick Cheney and, and his daughter. Um, anyway, nobody was there. And Lynn then, Cheney, who was an elected rep yes, in her own. Anyway. Not, quote, his daughter. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry about that. The little lady. Anyway, the little lady. No, that's not what I mean. I could, just couldn't remember her name. You know, you guys know me in, in names. Anyway, um, it was just like wrong, and 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 then you just henny on a on a platter, you know, something that people can mock and make fun of, right? On on, on social media, it was just it was not just so right. tone deaf, yeah. and it was just Hamilton's not going to solve things, people, right? You know, and just stop. It's a cute little Broadway show, but leave it alone. Like elevating it, I just hate how elevated it has become in importance and in rhetoric. I don't think it was ever supposed to be that elevated. And that is the one problem I have with Hamilton and the way it is discussed is that um, it's, you know, it's not history and it's not politics. It's Broadway. And the, you know, you need to right. understand that it's Broadway. It's not, you know, a treatise. It's not you can't look at it as a map towards anything. And as a representation of our history, it is so idiosyncratic and so clearly and deliberately anachronistic in so many ways that you can't take it as, as a historical document either. It's it's Broadway. It's song and dance, and let it just be that. We didn't make 1776, a similar play, actually, into like the standard bearer of American blah, 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 blah. It's not, because it's a play. It's songs. It's dance. No one ever looked at it like uh, the way we look at it. So please, put Hamilton down. Leave it alone and let it be. It's sort of like... The way millennials inject, and I know I know all millennials don't do this, but the way Harry Potter has become a shorthand for so many different aspects of politics and life and culture, and it's like, please pick up another book. There are other books. Stop referencing this one. It's true. Um, that's how I feel about Hamilton, and regardless of how I feel about it as a cultural artifact, I think it's just inappropriate for our elected officials who are supposed to be formulating a response to these events so that they don't happen again. 
but they're not doing that. They're passing the mic to Lin Manuel Miranda. That's the part where I'm just like, oh my God, no, these are not the people I want to see or hear from this day. Right. Instead of taking that opportunity to send a more important message, uh, you know, straight message, no, you're just going to sing and and, and pay homage to some fantasy. Anyway. Anyway, speaking of horrible and just like that. Um, it's, I, or do you mind if I pivot away from Hamilton? No, I just want to mention Betty White died. We, we, we oh. thought we were going to talk about it, which is very sad. Just want to say it's really, really sad. I'm a huge fan sad. of the show. I think she's phenomenal. A very, very funny lady. Um, and it, it, if you guys read the, the lounges I was posting, uh, post about her, uh, she was going to celebrate her her birthday, and it, People Magazine was making a big deal about it and everything. And apparently, there was there was going to be a show, right, uh, uh, celebrating her her life and all that. And, and she died before yeah. that, which is very sad. And today, Sydney Poitier, Sydney Poitier died. Um, and these are sad. I mean, I I don't want to sound cold when people live well into their nineties and have legendary careers. Right. Is sad actually the right word? I mean, I'm sad for the loss, the hole that it leaves behind in our culture, and certainly for the people, the loved ones in their lives who no, now don't have this person. But um, I also think when someone of that age and accomplishment level dies, it's we should celebrate rather right. than talk about it in terms of sadness. Right. Like. Don't be sorry they're gone. Be happy that they were here sort of thing. And when it comes to legendary people like Betty White and Sidney Potty, we lost a lot of nonagenarians in the last year. A lot of stars in their 90s like Christopher right. Plummer and Cloris Leachman and Ed Asner and because they're living longer. And when they live that long and they have these careers that are literally 70 years long, um, uh, you know, the hole that they leave behind in the culture is just that much larger. Um, like Sidney Poitier is something like twice the age of Elvis was when Elvis died. Um, and when you think of the hole that Elvis left behind in the culture, and then you think, what if Elvis had lived another 50 years? Well, imagine imagine yeah. what it had been like when he had died. Um, Sidney Poitier is roughly the same age as Marilyn Monroe would have been right now. Wow, crazy. Um, imagine if she had lived that long. Um, so it's just the, the, the length, the tenure of their career and the way societal changes spring up. Oh, you know, so much has changed since Sidney Poitier first entered acting, you know, so much has changed since Betty White nearly invented television single handedly. Right. I, I was actually thinking about that. I was on YouTube watching all these documentaries and, and I, you know, watching her career. And I'm like, I, I can't imagine being at that age and, and experiencing all that, knowing that you came from a time where television was literally created, and right. now you're here on right. stage, you know, and and everyone is celebrating you. It's just, it must be an amazing experience. I agree. So, um, a salute to those two, and someone go hug Dick Van Dyke and Rita Moreno today. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. Um, okay, moving <laughs> on to and just like that, um, as I said, you know, we were, I was def- mostly defending and just like that through most of its <laughs> run, and then. It just really got almost unwatchable in the last three episodes. I will say the last episode of Ollie was not bad, but um, yeah. So we're we're gonna run through the three that we missed. The first one is some of my best friends, which is the one where um, Charlotte. I had to turn this off. I had to turn it off when Charlotte was panicking that she was only gonna have one black friend at her dinner party, and wound up knocking on the doors of her building to f- 
find a black person. Find, and I'm like, I, I had to turn it off at that point. It, it, it is insulting. I'm sorry. That's insulting. I don't care how white privileged you are. You would, I mean, come on. No, I'm sorry. Not those. Not those. Maybe, Not someone who has no. lived in New York for 40 no, years. No, you have to remember. I don't care no. how privileged you are, even privileged white ladies in New York. And I know that there's a million microaggressions, a million. And I also right. know that there are a million studies that prove that um, our social groups tend to be racially, you know, we, you know, white people tend to have predominantly white friends. Black people tend to have predominantly black friends. So I don't think it's wrong to depict a Charlotte who who wants more diversity in her friend group and is trying to find that. Like, I don't think that's a terrible idea. But this is where the show constantly goes wrong. They try and address these things, and then they make these women look like fucking right, idiots. Right, Well, that's the that's thing. That's the part where I, I'm like, okay. I'm not going to be that naive to think that it would never cross your mind that you're the only white person in a room, or you're the only black person in a room. Or you I have mean, a party, on. and yes. you look over the guest list, yes. and you've only invited... I can understand I can that understand sort of anxiety, that, but... But I wouldn't be out on the street on stopping doors. people on the sidewalk. I mean, come on. No. That that's the point. That's when they lose me big time. When these like, yeah. women have to act like complete right freaking morons, um, and that is a a problem that has been going on th- through the whole thing. And I I, I thought I, they really had an opportunity, and every once in a while they come close to addressing. Uh, aging and what and certain aspects of aging and they muff it up every single time because they make it so ridiculous they they go so far past because I am in their age group I understand some of what they're trying to address but they they overdo it and I understand that when you look at the writing of the original show it was never subtle every episode had a theme right you know what I mean and it was very true even in their best intentioned episode you know when it come to dealing with any sort of diversity, it suddenly became about, you know, like, and the Diwali episode was a little bit like that, where it suddenly became about a, a white person on safari somehow among the non-white people. And the show has a tendency to do that sort of thing. I, I mean, I'm looking at it in terms of continuous with Sex in the City as if they're both the same show. But I, I just mean, and just like that, is picking up on and continuing that total lack of subtlety, which might have worked in 2003 or whatever, but is looking really dumb in 2022. Um, I do think the thing with Charlotte and her friend, um, it actually resolved itself fairly well. I didn't like the scene where Charlotte made all the black people love her because she could name all the black artists hanging on the wall because I thought that was just as heavy-handed. Except it did allow for an instance of someone who was struggling with this to use her own... And it is always nice to see Charlotte, to, to see them acknowledge that Charlotte is actually has a right. an expertise that she doesn't use all that much, which is her knowledge of art. It was a good idea, but it was so heavy-handed. It was heavy-handed, first of all, because <laughs> she didn't have to name every single piece of art in the room, number one. Right. Like that feels like you just Google everything. You, you, you know, you took a picture of her room and then... Right. Look for every every picture. Just name one or two. I think that would have made the point. In, I also in think a much when she and way. her friend sat down and had an honest discussion where Charlotte admitted this, like to me, that's the resolution here. That's how, oh my God, I've only invited one black person. What am I going to do? A normal, maybe intelligent person, which I think Charlotte is, would actually do what she wound up doing at the end of the episode, right. which is have an honest discussion with her friend. Right. Instead of this weirdness right. of knocking on doors and everything. I realize that we're looking for comedic stuff it, there, here, but there's it's this idea. Dumb. 
uh, I don't know what the writers are thinking, but there's this idea that they have to learn how to behave in 2021. One thing you noted, and you said, and I was I'll, like, we'll about, about the waiters. We'll, we'll talk about it. But it feels like, oh, these ladies have to learn how to deal with the world. Now, they live in fucking New York. Come on. What they could have done, and I said this before regarding the Samantha thing, is there was an 11-year stretch where they weren't on screen. We didn't see them since 2010 or something like that. That was when the second movie came out. You could have just integrated people of color into the story and started the new series like that. Instead of, they're all meeting people of color. They each have a new black or Indian friend. Like, that is... Why couldn't we just be in the fourth or fifth year of Carrie's friendship with, with Seema or, or the fourth or fifth year of Miranda befriending her law professor or the fourth or fifth year. Of, you know what I mean? Why does this all have to happen at once? Why couldn't we just... They each have to have one. Right. They, they paired each one of them with a person. It's so uh, fucking heavy-handed. It's awful. Yeah. I understand the idea behind right. it, but it's just like, it's worth not doing it right. sometimes. Right. Uh, you could have just introduced these characters and said, here's... Charlotte's friend of seven or eight years, you know, fellow mommy at her kid's school. You didn't have to introduce the friendship. Right. It's getting to a point that the only character that I really like is Anthony, because he's still an asshole. He's still Anthony, yeah. (laughs) He's still Anthony. I still, I actually think they're doing okay by Carrie. She straddles that line between being self-absorbed, although her storyline allows her to be, she's a widow, she's allowed to be self-absorbed. And also, I, I do think SJP is, doing good work with that character. I also think Cynthia Nixon, despite the weird, and we're going to get into all that, the weirdness of her storyline, I think when Carrie confronted her, that scene um, was actually quite well done. And then I think the scene where Charlotte confronted her was also well Uh done, well written and well acted. So let's talk about Miranda. Last time we talked about Miranda on this show, I said I didn't want them because it was clear that they were leading her towards a queer um, relationship right. or affair with Che Diaz, who I will go right on record as saying is the worst character on television right now. We uh, misgendered uh, Sarah Ramirez and Che a couple of times in the last time. The last time we spoke about them, so uh, we apologize for that. Uh, che and Sarah Ramirez uh, both use they them pronouns, so we're going to try and be careful. And if we make a mistake, I apologize. But it doesn't change the point that Che is a terrible. Terrible it's character. It's a terrible character. Terrible character. I am all pro-queer characters on, right. in, on Sex and the City. I'm all for non-binary and trans characters on Sex and the City. Um, I have no problem with Shay as a character, as, the, as a concept of a character. But I have never met or uh, encountered a queer person on camera who was so damn smug about their queerness. And for very little reason that I could say... Like, it really angered me, uh, some of it. I'm like, all right, sh- they are full of confidence, and that's the point of their character. That's the point of their comedy persona is that they're living their honest fine. I don't think sh- they're particularly funny, but fine. Um, there's a scene with them and, and Miranda where it's clear that Miranda is sort of trying to navigate um, same-sex feelings. And Shay just got finished talking about how long she spent denying their true self and, mm-hmm. and all the years she wasted and how she's finally come out the other side. Why would you be smug sitting across from someone who's going through the same thing? As a queer person, I was so 
furious with them because they were smirking through Miranda's whole conversation. I'm like, you just got finished talking about your struggle. How can you smirk at someone else going through that struggle? Right. right. You are terrible. Bed writing. Just terrible. Mm-hmm. And then um, what happened in Carrie's kitchen? I I admire the show because for on the one hand, oh, okay, what happened in, in Carrie's kitchen? Carrie was recovering from the most ridiculous uh, bout of hip surgery and recovery you would ever see depicted because on television. So then we have to cover that. I don't mind that Carrie had to get hip surgery, but they made it the most ridiculous. I mean, she was walking in heels three months later. She told her uh, uh, physical therapist. Because they were done with that subject matter and they had to move on to something else. Yeah. We and they only have an it. hour. Yeah. we only And then, of course, <laughs> Carrie would not. Uh, recuperate from hip surgery in her uh, penthouse apartment with the doorman and an elevator. No, she's going to recuperate in her oh three-floor walk-up. That thing beeping? I wanted to punch no, my No, no, we're not talking about that. <laughs> we're talking about the apartment she had okay, with Big. Right. Um, anyway, so Che and uh, Miranda wind up doing tequila shots in Carrie's kitchen while Carrie is passed out on painkillers f- and recovering from surgery. And then they start making out, and then Che, you know, fingers her, and Miranda comes. Which is fine. I mean, the show ha- has exactly. done on a the one. I mean, like that it. morning it went viral. Everybody was talking about it, and I was like, you know what? Kudos to the show. A fifty-five-year-old woman's sex act is now going viral. And what's it's wrong all with any- that? exactly. And there's nothing wrong with. On that. the one hand, I love that the show is still having these sort right. of oh my god, water cooler right. style moments when it comes to sex and women who are fifty-five. So that's great, but. Um, it meant that this character, Shay, had to act like a complete... I mean, it was practically predatory. It was so fucked up. And then, once again, Miranda had to act like a complete idiot. A complete asshole idiot. It's one thing where you're so horny and your life is such a mess and you do something really stupid. But you're in a studio apartment and your friend is passed out two feet away. What are you, 19? Like, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy... I bought that Miranda wanted to. I bought that Miranda's life is falling apart. I did not buy that she would do something like that in that setting. And the thing is, you, you're her boss. That's a part, that's, again. Let's not even, Inappropriate, yeah, I mean, beyond inappropriate. Yeah. That character needs to be cut out of the show because right. she's actually, I'm sorry, they're actually terrible. If Shay was a man, there would be no denying that this was a villain in the show and this was someone that right. everyone needed to get away from. It's just very inappropriate. The whole it's thing very is very inappropriate. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but it's inappropriate. And uh, and there should be repercussions from it. And I mean, there are repercussions with Miranda, but we have not seen Carrie talk to Shay about this. And really, if she doesn't, I'm going to be mad. It's just weird how things are dealt with. Uh, like the fact that she drinks a lot. So we went from like we're not sure if she's alcoholic to okay I'm I'm fine now I don't drink anymore in yeah. one episode yeah how is what that what was possible? the point to any of that how is that except possible? to establish that Miranda is extremely unhappy which okay yeah but you don't get over something like that in thirty minutes I know it's it's it, it's no it makes no sense and then and then everything I mean the way they handle everything and then uh, everything uh, the school part. Uh, I don't know which episode. It's the last. I think the, that's a, the last episode. That no, it's the second. The hip surgery episode. Yeah, that she, uh, her daughter, um, Charlotte's daughter Rose, Charlotte's who daughter. is now going by Rock. Yeah, she wants to be called Rock, and she told everyone in school, which is you know it happens. Kids, they told everyone in school. Yeah, 
uh, they told everyone in school that she won. They, she, God, they wanted to be called Rock. Right. Uh, so that happens. I mean, I'm sure kids do that. They go we around. We talked tell, about this yes, last time. It's actually is, very common. Which is fine, but the way they the the school handled the parents, it was very very obnoxious. Uh, in a way that no, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't yeah. talk to the parents like that. I found it stupid because. Um, uh, any school uh, administrator or professional who was um, adept at handling these situations and sensitive to handling these situations would know you wouldn't do something to inflame the parents or no. piss off the parents. You want to bring them into this, not exclude them from it. So the whole act, the whole scene was just, I don't buy, I'm like, I don't buy this. This is unnecessary conflict. This is not how this would be handled. Right. Uh, the line that the assistant, I think, she goes on and, well, it looks like the parents are having a problem with it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? No, what that are would you not, saying? W- that person would be fired for fired. acting that way. Because and, and you're just inflaming a situation and you could potentially be making it worse for that right. child at home right and and at <coughs> there was no <clears throat> point in the conversation where, where where they act like that they were like shocked and no they just wanted to talk about it right, right. um and and just i just hate handled. the way they're handling every single Everything. one of these and, topics and the thing is that they're they're using these characters that's the problem with the show uh is that they're using these characters to cover all these things that matter but in a way that make them st- look stupid right. every single time. It also, I, I think, has a very grim um, uh, understanding of middle age and heading into s- right. your senior years. Uh, just this very grim, like, oh my God, I don't understand the world. It's also, you know, some of us in our 50s are fine. And some it- of us are fine dealing with the changes in the world. We're not falling apart. And actually, women like this shouldn't... I understand that they're insanely wealthy white women. I do understand that. Um, and there's a reason, there's a good reason to explore their privilege and how insular they are or right. have been in their lives. I'm not opposed to that. But um, you can't just turn these characters that we've known for 25 years into raging morons in order to make your point. And that's the part that I really find. How do you, I mean, it isn't for us to say, but ultimately to say how well they handled the um, Indian stuff in the latest episode. Yeah, I, I can't. But I felt that it, for them. I, I didn't cringe through it. I did feel like there was an honest um, discussion on Carrie and uh, Seema's part about what Carrie can be allowed to wear. And it was actually very funny. She said, I very culturally appreciate this, which I thought was a funny line. Right. We featured the pictures on on our site uh, when they were shooting the scene. It was Falguni Shane uh, Peacock. Yes. And I remember looking at the picture and I was like, please tell me this is like some fantasy or whatever. I assumed it had something to do with Serena Chowdhury. Or maybe they were just joking about it. Anyway. So I I started watching the episode. And I was like, oh my god, here we go! But I actually thought they kind of did a good job because I do like the line, the fine line between cultural appropriation and, and cultural, cultural appreciation. Appreciate. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. To, to put it out there. Right. Even if they didn't handle it well, but it was nice. To, yeah. To have that conversation. Now I, I I still think that she was way too made up. I mean, the hair and everything was a little. Too much. I think if you're if you're going to a house party dressed like that, yeah. you are being a little showy, right? Um, but b- whatever. That's about Carrie. the dolls, the international dolls. It's all valid, but it's just handling handled in a way that the dolls are there in the room forever. They've been there forever, but all of a sudden they all hate the dolls and they want to burn them all. It's, I think that's typical daughter stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just 
I don't know. I just don't like the way things are presented. Anyway, back to the Indian family. I just wanted to say that uh, the man who was plays um, Seema Sarita Chowdhury's father on in this episode was on Sex in the City once before. He played a what the script called a Pakistani busboy in a scene where he hit on yes. Samantha. Oh, wow. I remember. Um, and I felt like the casting of him was I, yet another one of those correctives because I, I actually recently saw that episode and I was, when they got to the Pakistani right, right, busboy right. line, I was like, ooh, that is just a bad, right. bad phrase. The so whole thing lines, was bad yeah. about that. So they cast him as a much more dignified character mm-hmm. with much more going on. I don't think he's quite old enough to be Sarita Chowdhury's father, but whatever. Uh, I did think that was interesting. You know, we both noted this separately. You brought it up first, but I had been making note of it myself. Another point. The way they talk whenever, they, you know, they're one of a standard Sex in the City scene and it has continued into this uh, series, which I would expect is the girls at lunch or brunch or dinner or at a restaurant having a discussion. Um there is this sort of grandiose sense of gratitude now whenever a waiter drops a drink or a plate off that you never saw in the... Like, it's, oh, thank you, thank you. They're like, we're being kind to essential workers and service workers. We're being kind to people of color. They never even... I mean, as I said to you, I was like, the only time they ever acknowledged waiters in the old show, it was to sexually harass them. They right. never thanked a waiter for anything. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it, but there's a way... I mean... You know, Just you, everything has become you so... All, you all go to restaurants. Right. I mean, and you, I'm, I'm assuming that you all thank the waiters. We do. And sometimes you just look at them and you smile and you do a thank you, you know, that can barely be heard. Right. Uh, but you just smile at them and, you you know, you move your head in appreciation for whatever they're doing. No. They're like, thank you. I and, just, and then goes around the table. Every single person at the table said, thank you. Thank you. They're like about to hug them. Extravagantly in yeah. the middle of a dialogue right. scene. Uh, I just feel... This is gonna get me in trouble. This is probably gonna get me in trouble. But I feel like um, one thing the show, no matter what, should have remained uh, was quintessentially Generation X and its outlook, and it hasn't done that. It has hired a lot of younger writers, and the outlook feels very millennial. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like Insecure is a very millennial TV show. Um, but when you try and apply that sort of millennial writing, that millennial point of view to characters who are as quintessentially genetic, like cynical and, right. and middle-aged, uh, this is the problem I have with it. It's like, I want I want Insecure to be insecure, but I want these women to be the Sex and the City women, which means I want them to not extravagantly thank waiters. I want them to not be stupid about things like gender and, and race, the way they're being, in order to make a point about privilege, like... It's just all so heavy-handed, and I don't think these are the correct characters that you can use to, to, to navigate these things if you're going to do it in such an earnest, sort of millennial, sort of politically correct sort of way. Um, I, I this, this might get me in trouble for having said that, but that is, part, that is really what I feel the issue is here. It's not that they're addressing issues of diversity that this sh- original show failed to address— I said all along, if they didn't do it, it, there'd be no point in coming back. You have to address that stuff in 2021. But the the way it's being handled is terrible. It it feels like, all right, we have to correct everything we did wrong uh, so that we can preserve this season as something that people can watch, you know, and not be horrified by certain things that happened in the past. But we all have to do it now. It's like they're afraid it's not going to they're not going to have a season two or three. And then everything has to be done now. Like every right. episode, it's packed with things. 
It's just too it's much. It's too much. It's, it's too, too much. much. And I'm yeah, there's I don't even want to get into other stuff that we noticed that, you know, it's too much. But like I don't know what that yeah, means. What yeah, that it, refers to, uh-huh. but okay. Anyway. But there's if like Lorenzo all, didn't want to touch it, it must oh be pretty my God, bad. Like the BP in the apartment is like you bought this amazing apartment and it's beeping and beeping and beeping and finally she calls downstairs and and it's just like oh my god i don't know what to do with the beeping i'm 55 i just years can't old. believe that they're um they're they centered an episode around the um the tragedy of carrie buying a 10 million dollar apartment uh-huh. you know on a whim right i get it these women are insanely wealthy and pretending that they're not does nobody any good but um I didn't. I was like, "What is the point to this storyline?" I did think. I will say, this is what I mean about the show. They sometimes has good instincts, but it's it's they wind up going in a weird direction. I really appreciated that Carrie was very adamant that staying in her old apartment would be an enormous step backwards for her. I was like, "Wow, okay, that's what I like to see is a little bit of growth." Right. And she made good points. She's like, I moved in when I was 29. I do not want to be 55 in that apartment. I'm like, okay, that sounds like everybody in my age group that I know. And then they did a whole storyline where she bought a $10 million apartment on a whim and then sold it immediately. Like, all right, you lost me. Right. You completely lost me. It's just everything that the way they set everything, like when she's going through their stuff, opening all the boxes. First of all, the boxes are not labeled, of course. Uh, And (laughs) it was such a well lit story. I know. And then she just starts opening the box and sobbing. Oh my God, I can't do this anymore. What what do you think we're going to happen opening all these unlabeled? box i know i know it's just that that that's what i mean right it's just come on writers we're a little more intelligent than that um come on you could have just integrated a bunch of characters of color i actually like every character of color that except for shay but i like seema i like um the actress Karen Pittman, who plays, I don't can't remember, who plays Miranda's uh, law professor, and Ari Nicole Parker, who plays right. um, Charlotte's friend. Uh, I like all three of those characters. I think they are extremely well integrated into the show. Um, I just hate that we're na- navigating the beginnings of their friendships. Like, uh, some of the stuff with Carrie judging Seema for being single, I was like, this is kind of lame as hell. And then everything with Miranda and her law professor, I really like the interplay between these two characters, but they, why would a law professor be hanging around with a student this much? Right. Especially when that student was as awkward and inappropriate as Miranda was with her. Why couldn't you just introduce this as a fellow lawyer friend of Miranda's and take it from there? It didn't have to be this thing. Um, it just feels... Where, you know, yeah. every single one of them just makes terrible, culturally inappropriate mistakes talking to their new friends of color. It's just, this is so Sesame Street. It's just awful. Awful. Yeah, and then when you have, and I I appreciate because we it's something that people are doing more and more and more uh, that, uh, you know, supporting characters actually have a storyline and have a family. Have, yeah, I do I like, like that. all of that. Uh, uh, the doctor has you know her husband and she's going through stuff so with and her then, mother-in-law, and then yes. the law professor has fertility issues and. All, I love all of it. Right. And and, and Seema also, her family, you know, they right. went to a celebration, right. Indian celebration, all that. I think it's great. Yeah. But just take your time. Right. Take your time going through all You can all do all that issues. without yes. making uh, every white woman on the show look like a complete moron. Right. And again, look, I, I've said this before about Miranda. I'm like, look, there are plenty of, I'm sure, black women in Brooklyn who know plenty of white women in Brooklyn who are as clueless as Miranda. Right. 
So I'm not opposed to these ideas, this idea of these women not being completely adept at navigating these worlds, but everything is just so heavy handed and they all look so dumb all the time that I just, I can't deal with. And Carrie telling a physical therapist at 55 that her number one goal is to get back into heels. I'm like, you just sound like an idiot to me. I'm sorry. You sound like an idiot. Yeah. And stop with the texting, please. What texting? <laughs> oh, the texting. Oh, with, with Samantha. Samantha. Yeah, let it go, let what? it go, let it go. It makes no sense. Nope. So so you you apologizing and you talking, 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 and then she says, you know, I miss you, boom, silent. Leave it alone. What? Leave what? it. Either have the series without yeah. her and move on or don't have the series. But this half and half thing where Samantha's a character. Right. But right. not actually portrayed by anyone. And Samantha actually answered her text when it's not like about them or whatever right. they went through, or she can't say "I miss you," but she'll talk about her vagina. Well, that's actually on point. I know, but why wouldn't she? It, it's weird. It's the weird. whole thing is we just let it go. Okay, you're not friends anymore. That's one more thing I hate about Shay is the whole "Ooh, I got Carrie to say vagina." Okay, first off, you're only about eight years younger than Carrie Bradshaw, and you're treating her like your grandmother. Number one, number two. You're not as wild. That's the thing about that character. She, they talk about themselves like they're just this wild, you know, uh, anti assassin I don't know what they think they are or, or or how they're written, what they think that character is, but they're not this, this wild person right? that can go around smugly, oh, I got a 55-year-old to say vagina. Okay, 48-year-old. Like, I guess you can be smug about that, but I just hate that character so much. Nothing against Sarah Ramirez. And I, like I said, I absolutely would love a character right, right, right. like this on the show. But that character is so terribly written that I, I just can't stand them. And I, they're so focused on the women and their new friends that, I mean, the men are gone. Where's Steve? Uh, the Steve stuff is actually annoying. I mean, I mean, like, all right, if 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 Miranda's marriage has broken down to that point. I need to see right, the marriage. Right. Otherwise, it's really just making this seem very one-sided. I mean, Harry was never, uh, you know, He's someone. been in it more than right now, Steve it, had. Well, I guess, Steve has another show. Oh, uh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why he's not on the show. But Because Harry was, like, always agreeing all the time, you know, like, he never spoke. But Steve, I mean, he was, like, a, a character yeah. all the time on the show. So where is he? Anyway. Anyway, I think that's I'll pretty keep much watching. All. I, I mean, there's only Obviously. a couple more episodes to go. So, yeah, uh, whatever. I, I'm i very disappointed because I they actually did have an opportunity to to look at uh, middle age in a more interesting way, especially uh, navigating old friendships and new friendships. There's a lot of rich storytelling there that you could have gone through. Uh, and they opted instead to have Charlotte knock on doors looking for black people. It's just dumb. All right, let's move on so we don't get caught back in that. Right? Mm-hmm. Yellow Jackets. I um, briefly mentioned Yellow Jackets in the last podcast, like I said, and I had seen the first two episodes, but um, over the holidays, I started binge watching it, and then I grabbed Lorenzo, and I was like, there's just no way you're not going to love this show. Uh, You've got to start watching it. So if you haven't heard about it, like I said, we're going to have a non-spoiler, mostly non-spoiler discussion, and then we're going to get into spoilers later, but we'll tell you before we get to that point. And if you are interested in watching, do not listen to the spoilers. It's that kind of show. Uh, On the surface, um, 
you might see it as a lost ripoff, and the show does not shy away from some very, very specific lost references, or right. you might call them homages. That's um, what I'd call them. I think there. it's been enough yeah. years, it's been about 15 years right. since Lost pr- premiered, and some of these quote-unquote homages, like the cabin and the airplane and the, the wolves attacking them, it's straight out of Lost. It's just absolutely Which out I think of laws. It's fine. Ab- ag- agree. So, okay, the premise is this: it um, in 1996, a plane full of a, um, a team of teenage so- teenagers, girls on a soccer team, were going to the state championships. It went off course and it crashed in the Canadian Rockies. Um, this is in 1996. The series bounces back and forth between 96 and the present day, showing some of the survivors, but not all of the survivors in adulthood. And then it bounces back and forth between these two time periods. The opening scene of the series, this it's the whole premise, so I'm not really giving anything away, is that at some point in their, um, when they were lost in, in the wild, um, they resorted to cannibalism to survive. Um, which is, you know, based on some actual real stories that have happened. Uh, there was a Peruvian rugby team, I think, right, that right. crashed in the Andes. Um, but the mystery is who ate who, and blah, blah, blah. Um, who it ate, sounds off, who ate it who? starts oh off really gruesome, and it doesn't shy away from some, I, I, I don't want to overstate it. You are not seeing people getting gutted or anything no, it's like not, that. I mean, I wouldn't watch it. No. You know. Um, it's more suggested than anything else, although the... Oh, the, God, the no. leg, the guy's oh, leg after the plane crash. Right, I was not. like, ooh, you're going to want to fast forward through that one. Um, so uh, the appeal to this show is not just that there are mysteries upon mysteries upon mysteries, because, of course, they crash in an area that with all these bizarre signs and symbols and things left behind that indicate a much larger story. This is what I mean when it's like lost. Um, there are strange symbols carved into the trees, and then they find an abandoned cabin with a corpse in it, and there may have been some sort of ritualistic thing. Um, all this is set up. I'm really not getting into uh, spoilers yet. Um, they find an airplane, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and it's all about trying to figure out the mystery of the woods, where they are. Uh, and then it goes to the present day, and it shows these middle-aged women who are survivors, and it only shows you some of them, so... The whole question hanging right. over the series is, where are the other survivors and what happened to them? And who is the person we saw get devoured in the first day? Because you don't know. You right. don't know who got eaten. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and you don't know what led them to that point. You find out that they were at, out in the wild um, for 19 months before they were rescued. And the series so far, we're eight episodes into it. The ninth episode airs this weekend, and then the season finale is the week after that. It airs on Sunday nights on Showtime. Um, but we're only in like the first couple of months of their of their exile. Right. You know, I want to say exile. Their you know their timing in in the wild. There's a lot of ground to cover that They're the show... They're having a second season, so... And the, the creators have come out and said that they have five seasons planned. Which is insane. Planned, which is... I was actually really disappointed. I was like, yeah, I think... Uh, well, that we're going to get into this. The only way you could have five seasons planned is if the story really does go off in a supernatural direction. Or they do like Lost. We have to go back. <laughs> well, that... <laughs> kind of thing, yeah. That is Lost. Lost went in, into a supernatural direction. Because um, that's one of the great things about what's going on with the show in this first season is that weird things keep happening both in the present day and in the flashbacks onto the, I want to say onto the island, but they're in the woods. Um, 
And you cannot tell, the, 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 unlike Lost, the show is very clever about, you cannot tell, is something weird really happening or are these characters having severe traumatic right. responses? And right. some of them have mental health difficulties. There is a character that you cannot tell if she is schizophrenic or, or psychic. And they sort of bounce back and forth between whether or not she's one or the other. I mean, she could be both. Um, but right now, the, the series is very adeptly threading a needle on, is, is something more happening here, or are all these girls just going crazy under these circumstances? Um, and that's fascinating to watch. Right. Um, part of what makes it so much more than simply a lost um, sort of homage is the fact that it... it goes to the survivors 25 years later and it shows you their lives and every single one of them are heavy heavy heavily post-traumatic stress disorder like all of them right, are right, just right. fucked up in different ways um and i just want to do a shout out to some of the adult actresses first which is uh melanie linsky is um pretty much i would consider like the lead character right, in right. terms of the adult characters they seem to spend most time on her God, this was the role she was born oh to play. God, She's yes, a great yes, character yes. actress from New Zealand. She's been in a million different things over the years. Um, and uh, I feel like this is... She, she was just in Don't Look Up, actually. She played Leonardo DiCaprio's wife in that. But uh, it was a really small part, even though she totally ate up the screen and right. put everyone else to shame in her brief scenes. She's super great in this as Shauna, though, playing not only a... Uh, um, suburban housewife, just a wash and ennui and a marriage that is not fulfilling her. But underneath it all, every once in a while, you say, oh, she's a psycho. Well, that's what she's I love about crazy it. crazy and, and I, very dangerous. And I think she does a very good job because she has this soft voice, you uh -huh. know, like very sweet. And then all of a sudden, she's like, I hate my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> I or just love it. she guts a rabbit or something like that. <laughs> uh, and it's such, she's walking such a great line and and giving that character so much depth. Uh, I also want to um, shout out Tony Cyprus is playing Thaisa, who is yes. the fabulous lesbian New Jersey State Senator, or she's running for New Jersey State Senate. Um, and she, I'm not going to, we'll get into her stuff when we get into the spoiler right. era, but um, the tension this character feels, like I, I, sometimes I have to sort of like pause her scenes because I'm like, right. oh my God, she, she's so tense. I can't deal with how tense she, but that's the actress. She's doing an right, amazing right, right. job. Um, Juliet Lewis. Oh my God. Uh, from from scene one. <laughs> I mean, she and just, not uh, only is 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 it just the spectacular Juliet Lewis, but she found her perfect comedy partner. Right. Who would have thought? But Christina Ricci. I know. The two of them together are comedy gold. Absolute perfection. All of their hysterical. scenes are great. Christina Ricci is yeah. hysterical. Now they're all playing adult characters, adult versions of teenage characters who appear in the flashbacks and each one of the actresses cast as their younger selves. Just flawless. Yeah. Flawless casting. Uh, they look like them. They sound like them. Um, the actress who plays uh, young Thais, uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown, I don't even think she looks that much like Tawny Cypress, but their uh, her line deliveries are exactly the same. That there's just no doubt that this is Sometimes the same they person. Sometimes sound the same. Sometimes it's so weird. the girl yeah. um, who plays um, Natalie, who plays um, Juliet Lewis's character, her name is Sophie Thatcher. Her voice sounds just like yes, Juliet yes. Lewis when she talks. So all of that is very satisfying to watch. Extremely good casting, and I want to point out that the quote-unquote teen actresses which are they're all in their 20s like most they're great they are phenomenal yes. it's acting about across the board is fantastic 
Um, really interesting premise. It is loaded with mysteries and symbols that it is begging you to unpack. Right. The sets are gorgeous. The costumes are gorgeous. The, Everything um, is dead uh, on. And the needle drops. Oh, my God. I've been listening to so much 90s girl stuff. I I've know. been listening to Hole and the Breeders and Belly all week long because um, and there's some the great, great needle drops. And that's the great thing about the show because all the songs are played by uh, performed by no 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 by women i was I wrong I, it seems like in the first few episodes every song was a, a song performed because they were doing like liz fair and oh, stuff okay. like that but i think later they were dropping songs by men so i'm not sure yeah um what else before we get into i just can't recommend the show enough and i I'm, that's what i'm trying to get right, across right, right. here is um this is our new fave or at least my new fave uh, I really hope it doesn't go five seasons, but uh, why don't we get into the spoiler stuff now? Okay. So this is for those of you who have been watching the show. Like, uh, it has gained in popularity quite a bit there, over the last month. And, and so I'm assuming, media, yeah, yeah, I'm assuming nuts, yeah. some of you have watched. So I'm giving you a countdown, and at, when I get to one, we're going to spoil these, this mother. Five, four, Reaching for your dial now. Oh Three, two, one. Well, you Run. don't know how people are listening. I know. Someone could be halfway across a room yeah. from whatever device is Run playing this. now. <laughs> okay. Um, so, all right, let's get into this. Number one, um, is there a supernatural thing going on or are the girls crazy? Uh, I think the girls are just crazy. I don't, I mean. There's they, that seance. Yeah, I mean, if they have, if they want to have five seasons, yeah, they'll, they'll come up with something. But okay, the seance. Yes, yes. Where well, she was speaking French and she was, you know. Maybe, I, maybe she's just crazy. Who knows? But she couldn't speak French. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Part. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that the seance was the one part where I was like, all right, that's, that's not just, I mean, they all saw mm-hmm. it happen. Um, there's a million other things that I, okay, they, um. The plane exploding. Oh yeah. Now was that was because at um, uh, Lottie, the one who's supposed to be psychic, said said that the 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 woods didn't want them to leave or some. It it was very lost. Yeah. Um, But the show does a really good job because you watch that scene and it looks like um, what was her name, Laura Lee, the Christian girl, who they. Oh my God! At the second they made that character interesting, they killed her off. But actually, that's that's kind of great writing that's how you deal with peripheral characters you make them interesting before you shuffle them off and lost was actually really good at that um but uh when you look at that scene it looks like her teddy bear just burst into flames which looks like divine retribution but it's a really old plane that's been sitting in the woods for 20 years how that gasoline was degraded the wiring could have been degraded so it's one everything is presented this way that everything is very questionable yeah very questionable and at some point i'm assuming at some point um the show will answer definitively and i wonder if that's what the season finale is going to do if it's just going to definitively say yeah there's those woods are haunted or whatever the hack the cabin is that's why they went nuts or whatever exactly um I, I've seen one more episode than what has aired. Like, I've seen the epi- the screener for the next episode, and I have to be careful because that episode does answer some questions, and I don't and want... I haven't watched that And yet. you haven't watched it, so I, I don't want to accidentally um, say anything. Um, I... 
Jackie. Okay, the the character Jackie, Ella Purnell, the one, the yes. one, the girl who didn't make it home. She's the popular girl, and as the series unfold, and this is one of the great things about the series is that unlike Lost, which was a bunch of strangers thrown into this situation, these girls all know each other right. extremely well. Right, They're right. all t- uh, high schoolers. Oh, that's a good point. On a team, yeah. so they brought all of their relationships. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> With the, I think the show's really good at unpacking yeah. teen girl social, you know, norms and the way you know. One of the, and I said this about the fight scenes because I had four sisters. I had a lot of, you know, <laughs> girlfriends growing up, you know, friends who are girls growing up. Um, is the way a teen girls will use their voices in a fight. Um, when a fight escalates among teen girls, the way they scream at each their voice is an actual weapon in the fight. Like when guys get into a fight, they they might bellow now and then, but it's really about being able to land a punch. Whereas the girls are just in each other's faces, escalating, escalating until it's like shrieking, shrieking. And I'm like, that's it. That's just how teen girls get into fights, or at least that's how I remember it. Um, okay, so um jackie she's the character the big question is why isn't jackie home right how did jack was jackie the one that was eaten yes because the girl that falls down the pit who they eat in the first episode is shown to be wearing jackie's necklace but jackie has already passed her necklace on to shauna once right um and we know shauna came home so uh and Sha- I think Shauna does give it back to her at some point, but it does raise the question of whether or not Jackie gives the necklace to... This is what I mean. There's all these symbols and signs. Who's right, wearing right. the necklace? That sort of thing. Um, there's a really interesting point where they... Shauna and her husband, who is actually really cute, the guy who plays her <laughs> husband, yes, has cute. a great body. Um, they go to Jackie's parents' house for Jackie's birthday, which apparently is something they have to do every year, and it's just this gruesome brunch. Um, and at one point, Shauna goes upstairs to Jackie's bedroom, which has been kept as a teenage girl shrine, and goes through like her journal, which is sitting there. And the journal lists all these movies that she saw, and many of them are well past 1996. Oh, yeah. wow. You're smart. I noticed it immediately. Um, that, that's why I watched it. One of them was Bring It On. Computer, yeah. One of them was Bring It On, which is the Kirsten Dunst movie. And I'm like, that's from the 2000s. Wow. So. And I don't think this show makes mistakes. I honestly don't, especially about stuff like that. They have all the cultural references down. So the implication there is that Jackie did come home, but now Jackie is no longer around. And her parents talk about her as if she's dead, but you don't know. Right. That's the thing. There's so many twists and turns here. You just don't know. The other one is the, I mean, the big one is Lottie is the psychic girl. Right. What happened to her? Um, And she is the number one uh, I think suspect for turning that, you know, they were all in like deer right, skins right, right. and antlers at the end. It was like clearly a cult by the time they were at the end of their, you know, exile or whatever. And she is taking on cult leader aspects. So I'm assuming that's where that's right, going. Right, right. Maybe Jack stayed behind. That's the other thing. Yeah. I, I tweeted that yesterday about who came home. And I was like, you know, there's also the, just like in Lost, there right. might they, have they been people behind, who stayed yeah. behind. Um, I don't know why they would, but. Right. Uh, unless they all went nuts and joined some cult, but um, and there's also Van. Oh, Van, the um, love her, the lesbian. Well, I don't mean to be mean, but the minute that actress appeared, I was like, if they don't make that girl the the team lesbian, I don't. They don't understand <laughs> girl soccer at all. Um, and um, she's uh, a great character. She's a great character, and her. I do want to say that. Um, this the cannibal scene uh-huh. um, 
one of the characters uh, who's in a mask, who um, who seems to be leading. She's the one who comes up to the pit after the girl falls into it. It appears to be her mm-hmm. because she's wearing the same T-shirt she's yeah. shown to be wearing. I don't so uh, what I think, here's my theory now. I think the four women who made it home and then we're seeing right now. Oh, and then there's the other thing is Shauna's pregnant. Oh. But there's no 25-year-old walking around in the present day. What happened to that baby? Right. Um, and if we're talking about a cannibalism cult, I can't imagine they ate a baby on the right. show. I can't imagine oh they ate God. a baby. Um, but everybody talks about how terrible it got without saying what exactly well, happened. Yeah. Um, anyway, but ooh. what I think happened is, I think the ones who made it home were not part of the cannibalism cult. I think that's there was a division. Right. And... Um, this is my, and I think part of the reason why the the ones who made it home who are being so reticent to talk about it and everything like that is because they know there are still. They're probably back there. There are still women out in the yeah, woods. Yeah, yeah, You know, eating that's each why other they or whatever. Talk about it. Yeah, interesting. Yes. Do you have any other theories yourself? No, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, I do love the characters. Can't wait to see more. Like Van, for example. I felt so bad for her. Um, I do love her. And as you said you know see who's coming back and who came back uh and um i don't know the show does a very good job it has that vintage look and 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 vibe to it yeah um that's very interesting when they're shooting the you know the time before they they got on the plane and it, it i i love it love yeah. it. love everything about it um and you hooked from day one i mean you start watching the show because I, you said go and watch it. Uh, we had gotten screeners, but I didn't even look at them. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think that's my kind of show. Anyway, then you said you have to watch it. And the minute I, I start watching the scenes with Shauna, the character Shauna, I was like, oh my God, I love her. Yeah. I really want to, when she's with talking to the report, so-called reporter. <sighs> you smart bitch. Scene, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> when I watched that scene, I was like, okay, now I'm hooked. I need to know what's going on with this lady. Right. <laughs> I need to know what's Meanwhile, going on. Meanwhile, Christina with- Ricci is playing oh my God. this completely bad shit character who locked that reporter up in I her know. basement. She's hysterical. <clears throat> she's so funny. The other mystery I want to ask is, <clears throat> Ooh, sorry. <clears throat> Pardon me. Adam, uh, Shauna's boyfriend. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, they're all the boyfriends and the guys. What what happened to the guys? I mean, you know, some of them. You, no, I mean, you Shauna's boyfriend in the present day who she's cheating on her husband with. Oh, who right, the hell right, right. is that guy? And the theory is that he's Javi, Travis's younger brother. Oh, okay. But I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I it, It's hard to tell. First of all, I had a hard time finding out who was who because there are so many of them right so i especially with the boys i had a hard time figuring out you know who's who who's the guy now and who you know who was dating who and and who's married to who now uh i had a hard time with that so i i probably have to go back and watch the show again so that i can get all the names right and, and the guys right i don't think i'm not i don't think adam is hobby um travis's younger brother travis also made it home but then he wound up getting killed in the first episode or killing himself but i think he got killed um i don't know there is a question of what happened to javi and certainly adam is acting very very he's a weirdo he's acting very very strange i don't want to give anything about away about where that story is going because i do know a few things but um yeah, there's a huge question mark over hanging over that guy as to whether or not he's involved. Well, or... that, yeah, that, I that's the only part that I, I I was a little skeptical about. The whole thing is like, why would Shauna believe that guy and go for it? You know, 
Um, I That's, that is the one thing that I am having trouble with with Shauna's right. character because uh, all of these women came back with um, clearly, well, with the exception of Juliette Lewis, who uh, her character is something of a burnout. But the other three women came back with. Uh, rather severe survival skills that right. they were all willing to exactly. do, go to extreme lengths to keep their secret and to keep themselves protected. You right. see it over and over and over again. And Shauna is number one in that. Right. Why would you be? I understand that you're sexually frustrated and that your marriage feels like it was built on a on a lie, that you always feel like you're going to be your husband's second choice. They unpack all of this, and they actually do a really good job of unpacking all of it. But it still doesn't explain why a character that savvy and that self-protective right. would be that reckless. You you went after that so-called reporter, you know, like you know how things are. Right. And then you're with this guy and, and you're not questioning anything. And you're in your house and everything. And even the daughter questioned that. The daughter, why? what do you do with this guy, right. blah, blah, blah. He could be after something. And right. she just like brushed her well, off. You I know? think, I think, I don't think she brushed her off. I think it got to her. But she shouldn't have been, I mean, I don't know. But I did. I do think it, even having another character question it doesn't necessarily make it um, well explained. Anyway, tons of questions and, and things to come. And if yes, they, if they have five seasons coming, I don't so think we'll I want see. five seasons, but I can't wait to see how this season wraps yes. up. And I, it's my first real major recommendation of the year is you really should watch this show. Um, it, so many shows have tried to do what laws did and none of them ever accomplished it. Right. But this one does. Do, it really does accomplish it, even though you're going to sit there going, well, that's straight out of law. And it really is. There are certain aspects yes, of this yeah. that are, they're not even trying to no. hide it. Um, the only thing is that this does not appear to have a, um, I mean, with Lost right from the first episode, practically, you understood that they were not alone on that island. You understood that there was someone else right. there. Um, you also understood that there was a monster on that island from the first episode. Um, but none of that is clear about what's happening. There, right. There is no indication that there's anybody else out in the woods with them. Everything that has been happening to the girls is very easily explained as trauma and, right. um, you know, psychological rea you know, reactions to mass death. There's a lot of death in the first couple of episodes. So it's really interesting. And I... I I have to say that I think I probably would be maybe a little bit disappointed if it turns out to be some sort of um, supernatural thing. If it's way over the top supernatural stuff, then I'll, yeah, I'll be to bring in time travel oh God, and yes. smoke monsters yeah. and all kinds of stuff. So if they want to, they can go that route. I kind of hope they don't. But I also can't watch five seasons of psychological horror. Right. Like either... If you're going to do five, that's what I mean. If you're going to do five seasons, well, there has to be some larger mythology right. here. And if there's some larger mythology here, uh, which, to be fair, they have hinted at, especially those symbols carved into the trees, um, I just make it a good one. Right. Do not turn it into this weird convoluted thing that requires a wiki to, for me to keep track of. You know what I mean? <laughs> just please don't do that. Keep yeah. it straightforward. There's some sort of, I don't know, cannibal calls out in the woods, whatever. Just don't, I, I would prefer, listen, I love genre television, I love science fiction, fantasy television, but I really, this is one show where I'm like, just please don't make it about witches or time travel. Just don't do that. We'll see. Uh, I do want to find out more about the guys. Ben, the gay guy, right? He's gay, right? He is not in the present day, so uh, I don't know right. if he made it home. So what happened? I yeah. that guy was gay right from the yeah. get-go. I knew he An was gay. An interesting character. Anyway, uh, yeah. the, the show is He's great. He's the coach. Oh, yes. The, the show is great. Um, 
the show itself is really really good the writing is great and but the performers also every every lady every actors um they're all amazing yep. they're all doing a phenomenal job it's really well acted the young sometimes version, it's funny yeah and um, the present version despite the darkness of it it's not really that dark a show it's no darker than lost was except they do actually eat someone in the first episode um but yeah, highly recommended. Yes. Can't wait to unpack some of these mysteries, and I hope they don't drag it out for too long. Oh, and unlike Lost, if they really are planning to do five seasons, they I really hope they have the whole thing mapped out. Right, right. Because the problem with Lost was they, they, they really did. <laughs> yeah, they lost it. They didn't know how to wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> That's our first television yeah, discussion, oh cultural discussion of the new year. Um, we're going to do what we've been doing for the last several years, which is give you uh, distractions from the weariness and tension of the world out there. So stick with us. And for those of you who have been sticking with us, thank you. Yeah, uh, thank We'll be you. back next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desk. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye.